Hello and welcome to the SBNY Podcast. My name is Peter Kennedy and I am your host. The Sports Block New York Podcast is on iTunes, Apple Podcasts app, as well as Google Play. You can find it simply by searching Sports Block New York Podcast or go to sportsblognewyork.com, click on the podcast tab, and any of those articles will lead you in the right direction. Now, if you have not done so already and you like what you have been hearing, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast, as well as follow us on Twitter at SportBlogNYC. Now, obviously, we have the NBA draft coming up this week on Thursday, so we're going to be going deep into that. This podcast is dedicated to the trade talks going around, as well as all these great prospects, and maybe some not so great. But this is the NBA draft time, possibly the time where the NBA is most excited, because the bad teams have hope, and the good teams are still good. We have a lot to touch on, but first, a word from our presenting sponsor. Wooter Apparel is the number one shop for custom uniforms and apparel. Has the lowest prices, two to three week turnaround, every sport and any design you can imagine. Fully customizable team uniforms and apparel, Wooter Apparel empowers teams and athletes around the world by offering the best subliminated uniforms and apparel at unbeatable prices. And the best part is use discount code SBNY at your purchase for a special discount depending on what you order. And again, that's discount code SBNY at your purchase for a special discount. But without further ado, let me welcome my two guests for the evening. One man has been pumping out big boards and mock drafts and thoughts on this NBA draft class for a few months now, and he's ready to go, and that is Joe Stahlback. Welcome. How you doing? I'm doing very well. Happy the big week is here. We've been waiting for this one. Yes, we have. Very excited. And of course, we got our recurring co-host, Phil DeMeo, in the house. What's up, man? What's up? We've been talking about this since NFL drafts. Yes, because you know this is my favorite. Yeah, but you too. I love the NFL event. I love all sports, but you two guys love college and NBA drafts, so this is up your alley. The NBA is in this weird place right now where a lot of people were complaining, and rightfully so, they were complaining about the playoffs. Now, I wasn't complaining as much as, say, the average bear, bear, bird. I'm on your side. Average bear. Um, but the one thing that I think is not debatable is that the NBA owns – this time of the year, right now. As soon as the finals ends, the draft is right there. As soon as the draft ends, free agency is right there. And that four-week, month-and-a-half span where the NBA owns talk shows, it owns the internet, it's an unbeatable time. And I know if anybody here plays 2K, I'm a big 2K I guy. Gonna, I was about to say, it's fun. It's like a video game. Don't, we, really, don't you yeah. live for the off-season when you're wheeling and dealing? You only sim games to play the off-season. That's all you do. I think the <laughs> only person who likes 2K more than us and people our age is Danny Ainge. That guy, has, <laughs> that guy has to have like 10 different Celtics franchise on his PS4, just wheeling and dealing, making a million trades. That's where he comes up with his ideas. That's what he must be. Yeah. I do it in Madden. I trade my players for like first round picks. It's pretty easy in Madden. It's a little life hack for you, but NBA, you don't really see that at all. Like, it's just crazy. Yeah, I mean, I know when me building and Building my, and building and building, and like, for what? Me and my friends always do 2K. Franchises, obviously, I'm sure you guys do as well. You got to wheel and deal to get some picks. You get those young guys in. You send them to an untapped potential camp in the off season, and they're a ninety by year three, and it's fantastic because you could sim a whole season at once. Unfortunately, in real life, you don't have that luxury. But that's why you have to nail your picks, which is why we have so much to talk about with all these prospects. But Joe, let's start off before we get into the prospects and our mock drafts and who the Knicks will end up with, and who we like best and maybe who we don't like so much. There's some trade talks going around here. So between Paul George, Jimmy Butler, and all this crazy stuff, what do you make of all of it? 
I mean, this is wild. I mean, you had Cleveland uh, let go of their general manager today. The Cleveland Cavaliers, who were in the NBA Finals. I mean, and then you have rumors of Paul George and Jimmy Butler. Listen, what, whatever happened with Paul George, whether it was him or uh, people from his inner circle who leaked that he wanted to leave Indiana, he put them in a really, really bad spot. Because now they're not going to get as much. They have basically zero leverage. He's come out and said, I'd want to be a free agent. I want to go to Los Angeles. And now, you know, what is the most they can get back for him? It's, it's not going to be a lot. It's not going to be what they could have gotten at the deadline. So he's put them in a bad spot. And now you see a team like Cleveland who can really jump on that because they're willing right now to just rent a player for one year. Who knows how much longer LeBron's going to be there. Their windows whenever LeBron's there. So you know what? They'll, they're, they'll take the risk on Paul George or Jimmy Butler. And it was crazy for me today. You hear, I'm listening to radio shows. I'm on Twitter a little bit. And it's Paul George this, Paul George that. And then boom. Jimmy Butler's name pops up, and now it seems that he may be more likely to end up in Cleveland than Paul George. Right. Well, he's got the extra year. Well, George is just a rental. Butler plays this year and through next year. So that's a little two-year window with him. So, I mean, it makes a little more sense. And, Phil, you have a good feel on the rumor mill and all these talks that go on. What was your thoughts on this this, uh, shenanigans going on today? I just feel like at the end of the day, do they they beat the Warriors with Paul George or Jimmy Butler? That's what it comes down to, right? Well, you this, is why, this is why they make these moves. Do you assume that they lose Kevin Love when acquiring Paul yeah, George and Jimmy Butler? The money, the numbers, you have to lose Kevin Love. Right. So do you think they're better with one of those guys so or with Kevin, Kevin Love? Kevin Love didn't have a great final scoring-wise, but you know, he was on the boards a lot, wasn't that bad on defense. Obviously, he could use to score more, but like, try to balance it out. You get Paul George 24 points a game, Jimmy Butler 26, 25 points a game. You're not getting the shots they are in Chicago and Indiana with Tyree and LeBron. So, like, the, at the end of the day, does it make them a better team than the Warriors? They're not going to be a better team than the Warriors. That's never going to happen. Can they compete better with the Warriors? And I don't know. But, I don't, see, I don't blame them for going after him because, like Joe said, once LeBron leaves, they might never be relevant right. against ever again. It's over. Absolutely. Imagine, I'm mean, very drastic. Like, hey, you have, like, five years to live. But you, you, might, you might survive after that. You might. Like, you might. Something might happen. Some, a player might come after LeBron. But you're just in your window. For real. You, you go for it. You, it's yes. If you're the ownership of the Cavs, I think you have no choice because you look at this team and you say LeBron has the keys to this kingdom not only because of what he's done for us, but because of what he can do at the drop of a hat after this next season. I'm trying to get more dressed than keys because he literally uh, – he's the owner basically. Yeah. <laughs> he, he probably told um, the owner today to get rid of the GMs. Like, he was Shorty Bill. Play friends with Shorty Bill. Play friends with Tyron Lue. Like, right. It's literally the Cleveland LeBrons. I don't buy into him literally pulling strings and telling people what to do, but I do buy into everybody wanting to make him happy. Oh. Obviously. He gives a little probably, like, winks and, you know. Right. Like so now I have a little hypothetical, not even a hypothetical, actually, a little bit of a comparison to some past examples here. So Paul George says he doesn't want to resign with the Pacers. It comes out however it does, right? That's one way he did it a year before his contract's up. Kevin Durant becomes a free agent and says, I'm looking elsewhere. I'm probably going to leave. LeBron James, on the other hand, didn't tell anybody and just left. Carmelo Anthony did a, similar to Paul George, said, I want to leave. You should trade me now. It seems like no matter what you do, if you're looking to leave, you're going to get the shit end of the stick. The only one who doesn't get it is a James Harden because that wasn't up to him. That was up to the front office, true and true. But no matter how you do it, tell somebody, don't tell somebody, get traded, or just leave in free agency, everybody hates you no matter what. So what was Paul George really supposed to do? If he doesn't want to be in Indiana, Good at least point. he's given them a semblance of a chance to get something back. Good point. And he made it like official. Like, people knew this for almost a year now. He wants, that's, that was his move. So it was like, he pays the lowest leverage, but like, 
any team before this ever came out dealing with that, they knew that was a real possibility. And now, it, now it's a, not a real possibility, it's a reality. Right. So let's let's do this and let's get into prospects because we're coming up about eight minutes and uh, we're going to get into all these prospects. We're going to touch the top of the draft, the Knicks, the middle of the draft, first round, second round, sleepers, the whole nine. But who is more likely to get traded by or on draft night, Jimmy Butler or Paul George, if not both? Uh, I think it's George. <clears throat> I think George will go between now and the draft, most definitely. So you think before the draft night begins, he's gone? Yeah, I think George is gone. And where's your gut say? My gut actually says Boston. Really? I think they have enough where they can put together a semblance of a package. Now, it's not going to be what it would have been before before last year's trade deadline, but I think they can put together enough that they can still get George, and it will be good enough to satisfy Indiana. That might have been the reason why Danny Ainge made that trade. He scored down to three. To get a couple more assets, now he has enough. In the late, the Lakers pick, it's two to five protection. It's weird protection, so you might not it get that. It is weird protection. He, he gets kicked back to the Kings. So, like, that's an asset you have, but, like, you, you keep that away from someone like Paul George. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess, think it's interesting. I said this before last season, like, the Cavaliers are injury away, and the Boston Celtics would be right out there. So, you know, they're in this weird, like, phase, like, are you going for 2018 or are you going for 2022? Right. Yeah, it's very weird. And it seems like Danny Ainge is trying to do both. Both, yeah, which is... And I think he might, he might be doing both. I don't impressive, know. Impressive, but hard. Like, very right. hard to try to get a feel he, what he's doing he's that right now. He's trying to wait out LeBron's prime, is basically what he's doing. And, I mean, to this point, with the assets he's acquired, it looks like he's going to do a good job of that. And you know what? We talk about Paul George possibly ending up in Boston, Jimmy Butler... That's not out of the realm of possibilities. Right. And with all of that happening, they still are one of the top contenders to sign a Gordon Hayward if he doesn't go back to Utah. So now we're talking Isaiah Thomas, Al Horford, Jimmy Butler, and Gordon Hayward. Or Paul George and Gordon Hayward. And then you go, holy crap, that's right. four all-stars. How did that happen? So the, the Celtics go from, eh, you're not really a contender, but you're in the game, to, wow, you're actually a contender. Um, well, let's get into it. You said the Celtics are trying to build for after LeBron. Did they yes. mess up those chances when they traded Fultz? Basically, they trade away falsely, basically, right? I don't think so. Do you think they mess up their chances for the future? I, I do not. It depends on what this next step is now. It depends with who, they, who they're picking third, or are they trading that you know, for a big star like Butler or George? I think it's... This, that, is, this, is their, this is Boston, Danny Ainge's version of the process. Yeah. Now, it's different from Philadelphia, but it's, it's their own separate process. I'm glad you brought that up. I was about to do the same. And we're talking about Danny Ainge. Is it good? Is it bad? It's tough to tell. And I think we learned... By being on Twitter today, that it's not always easy to tell how a GM is doing in his tenure. Right. If you have not seen, please go on Twitter and ha- search the hashtag RT Armageddon. That's a retweet Armageddon for all of the Sixers fans coming out of the woodworks, going back years and years and years, finding all the tweets that they can find saying about how bad Hinky was or how bad this was. Sarge is never coming over. And they're retweeting this, just laughing their ass off, even though they haven't won a damn thing yet. Sixer fans feel pretty damn good right now. And what do they have? Markel Fultz as the first pick of the draft next year. Talk, now, about, talk about playing 2K. I do 2K a little bit. You've got to trade both these young guys, right? So it's both concepts of a video game. Hanky, Hanky went full 2K. He he busted for a couple of years. Hanky, yeah. Hanky? It's a tough spot. No, he's not there anymore. Yeah, well, true. <laughs> you know, Hanky and Michelangelo took it over, basically. But they're running the same process. They got all these young picks. Now, you look at the Sixers now. As a Knicks fan, I say with full confidence, I'd rather be the Sixers than the Knicks. I think that's easy. Six months ago, I was saying that. Now it's even easier. I'd be, under, be besides the Warriors, Cavaliers, and Boston, like 
which team would you rather be right now? Probably fourth, probably six or something. I, I would still Spurs, throw... Spurs, Lakers, like, like... I mean, I would throw Washington, Washington. I would throw some other teams they're in They're top there. ten. But they're up and coming. And you look at this team now. Joe, I'll go to you first. What do you expect from, the, from them this year? Because now they're starting to get this little confidence. They're starting to feel like they are actually com- not completing the process, but doing it now. It's coming to something. What do you expect from them now this year? Well, this year I think they'll have some, still some growing pains. I mean, you're going to have Fultz and Simmons both have yet to play a game. And Bede still hasn't gone through a full season. So do I think they can compete for maybe an eight seed in the East? Definitely. Um, but they're still going to have growing pains. Now, Colangelo had a press conference today, and he said they may not spend. They have a ton of cap room. They may not spend for this year. They may spend for 2018, which I think is even smarter for them to do. Because then you can extend Covington and extend Embiid this summer. And then 2018, you have a ton of cap room once Simmons and Fultz have played a full year. Uh, so I think, like Phil said, they're really up and coming. Them, Minnesota, you know, these are young teams that have good cores. And I think in a few years, they're going to be the top dogs. So now on SportsBlogNewYork.com, you have written, written your big board in the past. You wrote your player comparisons article. And your mock draft will be out on SportsBlogNewYork.com before uh, the draft starts, on thir- mm-hmm. before Thursday. What are your thoughts on Fultz? What do you think he projects like in the NBA? Um, <clears throat> he's dynamic. I mean, he's he reminds me a lot of Damian Lillard. You know, he's a guy, he's more of that scorer. Now, can he make some great passes and whatnot? Yeah, he definitely can. Um, but he's he's a vi- really a volume scorer. And I think with them having Simmons there, who's also a ball handler, I think he's going to fit perfectly there. And this was the true culmination of the process. This was the prospect they were like, all right, we waited all this time. We've, you know, kind of built something. Now let's go all in on Fultz. And I think it's going to pay off in a big time. He's going to be a stud. And I could not agree more. When you pair a guy like Markel Fultz, who's a score-first point guard, with some passing upside, with a pass-first point-forward extraordinaire in Ben Simmons, and like you said, we haven't seen him play yet. I am very high on Ben Simmons. And now I feel 95% confident that the Rookie of the Year will be a Philadelphia 76er, and it won't be some BS trash Rookie of the Year like Michael Carter-Williams. Right. It'll be a legit candidate for Rookie of the Year, Markel Fultz or Ben Simmons. Because they are two of the most dynamic players, young players, really rookie are. players in the NBA that we've seen in a long time. It's a great fit that we didn't think about because we just assumed right. Fultz was going one or two. You assumed Boston wouldn't, wouldn't let him go. And that's another move. The NBA has this trade come up two days ago. It almost feels like old news now right? because all these trade so talks. Going on. Phil, how do you feel about Markel Fultz? I feel like right, that Joel Embiid, Wiggins, Jabari drafts, you redo that draft. Embiid doesn't get hurt. He's in a more pick. Simmons number one pick, Fultz number one pick. They have three number one picks in their roster. Under the age of 22, 23, I don't know how old. And 23, all under 23. That's insane. Now, there's a lot of question marks each one of them. Simmons is, we have never seen him play. We don't know how he can trade that to NBA. We, we should be good. We see him play summer league. We don't know. That's it. Embiid, the biggest question mark, probably the whole league, he does, can't stay healthy. He can't stay more than 35 games. Like, you can't even say, oh, he's trending upwards. Like, he was, and he stopped cold. Yeah. The Fultz... He played in a uh, weak conference, a bad team. They only won nine won games. Won nine games. Didn't make the tournament. Like, you know, the talent's there, but that's the, that's the question marks. All three of them question marks. It comes all together. I must say, I told you Joe before before we started airing. It'd be hard to root against them. Yeah. They'd be the funniest team in the league. It's like the, it's the Warriors before they got Kevin Durant on them. Like, you felt good about them. They, they built the ticket. They built about the draft. They built it young guys shooting um, inside out. Like. So I think if you're a Philly fan, you know, God bless you the last seven years, but, you know, it's finally... The light is under the tunnel right now. Absolutely. And one of the best lines from a movie that I think everybody probably likes, The Dark Knight, 
you either die a hero or you live long enough to become the villain. And I think that is so true in sports because think about the Warriors. I'm glad you brought them up. There was not a bad thing to say about the Warriors until they started winning 73 games nope. and they started challenging history and then people get defensive. I still like the Warriors because I, I like them before. I don't just magically not like them anymore. But you live you either die a hero or you live long enough to become the villain. Happen to the Warriors. It will happen to any team that is good for a long period of time. True. They'll have the front runners who love them. But those haters, man, they come. And they come quick. So there's no reason to hate the Sixers right now. But if Ben Simmons and Embiid start running this league in five years and you see them in finals at their finals, people are going to figure out a reason why they hate them. And that is just how it works. Real quick, they have Caspies. Do you see anybody going to them this year? Like a J.J. Redick? No. Or no one is going to build it? No. Build it with Kyle them? Lowry is the only long no shot, sense. I that think. Makes zero sense. It makes no sense, but it's the only one I could possibly see. Because... Uh, from there, went to Villanova. Fultz, realistically, can you play him at the two? Maybe. Where are you putting Simmons? Like, Simmons is a four. Simmons three. is like a hybrid everything, right? Sarich and Simmons can be three, four, switching up and down. It doesn't even matter. It'll be interesting. When Covington, like these five guys, six guys, they can't all play at the same time, right? So yeah, get Covington. Brown's going to be, you know, it's a good, good problem to have, but just get the right... Matchup in there. Absolutely. And I think Brent Brown has proven that he can handle NBA coaching with that. I hope horrible he doesn't get caught like, like Hanky. I hope he doesn't. It'll be, it'll be terrible. That's true. But let's, let's keep moving. We just did a lot on Fultz, uh, but we know where he's going. And then we think we know what's happening with number two. Joe, how do you feel about it? I'm pretty confident it's going to be Lonzo. Yeah. I, I think it was a perfect match from day one. Uh, there's been a lot of smokescreen about, you know, do they like Josh Jackson? But. In the end, I think Magic Johnson sees enough of himself in Lonzo Ball that, that that's where it's going to happen. So you think Lonzo projects as a good player as well? I do. Uh, I think his game is perfect for the NBA. Uh, as a pass-first point guard, a true point guard, I think he's the best passer in the draft by far. Uh, you know, even just the simple passes, just he's always hitting someone in the chest. You know, they'll run and gun. I, I think he's going to be really well in the NBA. And, I, I mean, when you say... He, Magic Johnson sees Lonzo Ball in himself. That's the best compliment you can possibly ever get. The man who runs yeah. the franchise, the man who one has won championships, five best players in the game, and ever. easily one of the five best players in the game. I tend to agree. Now you told me a stat, so Phil and I before we started recording. I think you need to enlighten the listeners with that as well. Um, so Lonzo last year at UCLA, he made 189 baskets. 182 of those were either a three pointer or a layup. So that means he only had seven from the mid-range or his floater, which is pretty insane. Now, just think about that, listener. 189 baskets, and over 180 of them were layups or threes. Now, that seems a little scary. It was one-on-one layups, 81 threes. threes. That seems scary (laughs) when you hear the stat, right? You're like, wait a minute. How does that work? There's no way that's a good thing. But the way the NBA is going, with the new sabermetric push... That followed from the MLB, and basketball's using it too. Let me tell you, tell you this. Watch the Houston Rockets. They, that's all they do. They will not shoot mid-range shots, even if they're open sometimes, to a fault. Now, maybe that can be a problem for Lonzo Ball, but I don't see teams in this league looking at it as a problem when they see the way he passes and if he can get that three-point shot off with the weird little release he has. Right. He's also 19 years old, so he can still learn how to shoot the mid-range. And the floater, maybe, the floater you, game should be good for him. Maybe in UCLA, right. this wasn't his role. His role was to pass and shoot threes, which could be in the Lakers as well, but hey, you have room to grow. He's 19 years old. Yeah, and I think he will be, no matter what, the most sought-after spectacle 
um, biggest story oh, yeah. of well, this NBA rookie class. Biggest story would be if he doesn't get drafted. That, that, I mean, he'd have to blow up. If he doesn't get drafted, drafted, drafted that'd be the most interesting draft oh, yeah. probably since LeBron. Who can the Lakers possibly take if they do not take Lonzo Ball? Uh, I think it would have to be Jackson. Josh Jackson from Kansas. And I perfect segue. Let, let me hear your thoughts on Mr. Jackson. I like Jackson a lot. Um, besides Fultz, I think, in my opinion, he's the best player in the draft just because he plays both sides of the ball so well. Defensively, I think he's going to be in a stud. Like, I'm talking like a Kawhi Leonard. Like, that's the type of player he is on the defensive end. That's praise. Now, his offensive game, <clears throat> he made his three-pointers at Kansas. What he didn't do is hit his foul shots. He shot 56% as a wing player at Kansas from the foul line, which is, like, unheard of. Now, the crazy thing is he was over 40% from the three-point line, so it doesn't really make sense, or who knows what's going to translate, but he's another guy who's very young, and I think uh, when it's all said and done, he's going to be a multi-time All-Star. I tend to agree, man, and I really, really do feel the same way with the specific thing you said. He has the defensive upside that I don't think anybody else in this top... No. I'll say four, because I think Darren Fox has defensive upside like anyone in this draft. But from a wing player, because let's, let's be real too. Let's put this on the table here. I don't know if you guys agree. I'm going to put my, my two cents on this. Point guards, they get you there. Point guards right. don't win championships. You need, in order to win a championship, a wing player who can score and defend the other best player on the team. Absolutely. So even when you look at a Steph Curry who was the best player on a cha- one championship team because he wasn't last year, right. they didn't become – Super spectacular without Clay Thompson being a great defender and right. a great scorer. And, and or they, with Draymond Green. Right. Or with Iguodala. Even when they won the, obviously the first back. finals, Iguodala was the finals MVP. Another wing who defends and can score and do everything. So you take you take your Russell Westbrooks, you take your Hardens, your Dennis Smiths in this draft, the Darren Foxes. But then you look at Josh Jackson and you see, what, six seven big frame, only going to grow into his body more with some strength. He's the type of guy who can be the centerpiece on a championship team. Absolutely. So, you said, we we all think Lonzo Ball's in the Lakers, but say he doesn't, and they do draft Jackson, is he too much similar like Ingram? You think they, they too much the same player? Um, I don't. I think Ingram's more offensively, okay. and not as much as a defensive player. He's still very frail. Mm-hmm. I think Jackson, I think they could both play together okay. on the wing. And then, uh, where's Julius Randle fit into that? That's an interesting he's a part. Perfect bench guy, I feel like. He's a perfect trade piece right now yeah. as well. I'll keep that one in mind, even though I like Julius Randle's game a little bit. But let's keep moving here, because we, we talked about Fultz, we talked about Ball, we talked about Jackson. This is what a draft stars, right? Boston kind of? They, they keep the pick. Yeah, Absolutely. I think it's starts. This is true. where it gets really interesting. And from this point on, and I said this when I did my little solo podcast last week, I don't feel confident about what's going to go go down from no, 4 no. to 15. No. There's a lot of variation here. People keep asking me who the Knicks are going to take, and we're going to get into that once we get closer to the eighth pick. And there's so many different intricacies that can lead to the Knicks drafting a different player, whether it be Monk, Nidakinlia, Smith, keep the, go on and on and on. Don't, right? don't get a surprise later. But. So we got a surprise later with that. <laughs> we're going to get into the Knicks. But let's talk about... Jason Tatum first because we talked about Josh Jackson and how wings can run this league or actually do run this league. So Jason Tatum, what are our thoughts? Um, I don't love Tatum. Uh, do really? I think, really. You don't love Tatum? I don't. And that's not because I hate Duke. I didn't even know you hated Duke, so you didn't even have to say that. But wait, before you go on and tell me why, I'm going to tell you this. I've told a couple people in the past couple days I'm not high on Tatum either, and they look at me like I have three heads. Thank you for agreeing with me. Can you enlighten the listeners on why you feel that way? 
I just don't think he does any one thing particularly perfect. Um, can he score? Yes. Now, is he going to hit? Out, is he going to be an outside player? Is he going to be an inside player? His body, who can he guard? Uh, I don't think he's a great passer. There's, he's just not someone who I think is going to excel as much as people think at the next level. Now, can he be a solid player? Yeah, he can. Can he score 15 to 20 points a game? Absolutely. But do I think he's going to be a winning basketball player, and that's the key thing? I don't think so. I just don't see it. You couldn't have said it in a better way. I, that's exactly how I feel. He needs to score to be successful. And right. uh, if you aren't just only looking at the sportsblognewyork.com mock draft, I would advise you to look at the Ringer mock draft as well. Because you know, we'll call it how we see it. The sports blog, we want you guys to look at sports blog. But we don't... We're not discri- the Ringer. We don't discriminate. We ain't, no, we ain't the Ringer. We, don't, we know that. We look in the mirror and see who we are. We ain't them. Kevin O'Connor and those boys at the Ringer put together a mock draft that is spectacular. And the one thing that he said about Jason Tatum is that he needs to score to have a positive impact in the game. And will he score? Yes. Will he be an elite scorer? I don't think so. Because I don't love his shot. I think he's a below-the-rim player. Definitely. He reminds me of old Mellow. He's a poor man's Carmelo. He's a poor man. Like he's, an, he's old Mellow, but he's right. 20. Right. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? So when you hear the comparisons of the Rudy Gays and the, the Danny Grangers, they're fine players. They're athletic. Right. They, they have upside, but they just never had enough to be great. They were always just good. They were always just solid. And I think he's gonna be, he'll be in the league for 15 years. Mm-hmm. No knock on this man. And if he's on the right team, he can be a huge part of a winning team. But he will not be 1A, 1B or probably not even number two, on a really successful team, in my opinion. I, I couldn't agree more. Sounds like Danny Granger. Yeah. What, what do you, what do you think about Tatum? Me and, me and Joe, I happen to feel the same way about this. I thought I was going to come in with a hot take. I feel like I agree I'm, with him. I'm convinced. Like you, said, you said poor man's mellow, right? Right. So if you're a team like the Suns, like, who doesn't have much... We have Booker, but the scoring is like, just like, you have that guy to score. How do you pass up on a, a poor man's mellow? Because mellow gets you 20, 20 points a game. Right. So how do you... Justify pass up on that. You, you got to just justify it, but you know what I'm saying? Like, how can you pass up on a guy you, you know he can score like 20 points a game? That's a good point. And I think your point uh, balances out with ours. Yeah, exactly. When, you know, when, when we come to draft time, we talk about a player who we don't like. But I think the point for Joe and I is that he's going to be a fine player. Like, he's going to be an NBA player, probably a starter. But We just don't want people to think he's going to be some transcendent superstar because mm-hmm. that's not how I feel about well, it. Well, if you draft him knowing that, what you're getting. Right. You, can you justify the pick? Absolutely. I think he should still be the fifth pick. I think De'Aaron Fox is better than him. Mm-hmm. But, uh, hey, you, want, you like Fox's the upside there, right? You've got to, you want to draft an upside, but if you want to go the safer route, the more conservative route, you're going to draft a guy like Tatum. That's a pretty good point. So it's hard. It's hard. Like, depends on the GM, depends on the ownership, depends on the kind of, right. what you got team, around him. The roster, right. I would love Fox on uh, Sons of Booker. That would be awesome. That would be real, real fun. Yeah. <laughs> but do they go to more conservative route and get Tatum and give Booker kind of a, like a, Psychic. It's true. That's a good point. And I mean, they have some. They have Eric Bledsoe. Mm-hmm. They have Tyler Eulis, who proved that he can be playing in the NBA as well. So yeah, you know, maybe they don't need the point guard right Marquise now. Marquise Chris, they got. They have, they have a nice little weird team. Marquise Chris is athletic. We'll, we'll man. see. Maybe if Kevin Love goes there, we'll, like we'll see. There's, there's pieces to fall still. Yeah, and there's these weird trades with Butler yeah. and PG thirteen. Man, they can really throw a wrinkle into this draft as well. So you got to keep up with that. Um, but let's keep moving here. So let's talk about. De'Aaron Fox. And let's not spend too much time on him because I think we're going to have a pretty clean consensus here. Mm-hmm. We like this guy. Yeah. Love him. What's not to like about De'Aaron Fox other than he shot a poor percentage in college? Yeah, but, you know, he's still young. And we've seen with even John Wall. Does John Wall the greatest shooter? Yeah. No. But, you know, when you have quickness like that and you can get to the basket, I mean, defend like he can, uh, he's going to be fine in the pros. Which high picks shoots well in college, really. 
like really well. No one in college. JJ Reddick, Steph Curry, like the okay. best shooter in this draft is probably Luke Kennard. Right. The the best shooter, Absolutely. right? So like, and no, he, you got that nineteen years old. They cannot shoot the ball like we've seen in the NBA. Right, it's physically not possible. Yeah, you're, you're drafting. Oh, can he get there? Can he get to thirty five percent, forty percent? Fox, right? Which one I want to be at? Yeah, but it's going to take time. Absolutely, and that's a good point. So I think we're going to let's move off Fox. I think um, the consensus that he will end up in Sacramento the latest. There's no way, in my estimation, yeah. Sacramento lets him pass at five. So unless the Suns snag him at four, yeah. and maybe the Celtics do something crazy and take him at three, I don't think that's going to happen. I, I think five is the last spot Fox would go. If um, if you're the Suns, you call up the Kings and say, hey, we're taking Fox, what's your offer? Do you move up? Woo! Call the bluff. <laughs> call the bluff. I don't know. That's tough. I, I need Kings to be stupid if they trade five and ten. Don't don't. That, yeah. that means that Boogie yeah. trade me nothing. Yeah, that's kind of trade that. Absolutely correct. The Kings have five and ten. They you have never know the Kings. Two <laughs> chances to get. Point five guard. ten next year the one. Okay, we'll, we'll do it. Oh <laughs> my god. Yeah, that's interesting, man. Don't forget about that. The Kings have five and ten. Could that could mean they could mix it up? Because maybe they say okay. We got a point guard five. Dennis Smith's still there. We're not going to trade back a little bit. It's gonna be, it's gonna be interesting. right. Maybe they say all right. Five, Tatum's still here. Let's take Tatum. We'll get Smith or Nikinlia or Monk yeah. at 10. Anything could happen. Yeah. So it'll be pretty interesting. So let's keep moving now. Talked about Fox, Tatum, Jackson, Ball, and Fultz. That leads me to one of the weirdest players in this draft. He doesn't get a whole lot of chatter, but he deserves at least questioning. He deserves a shot in this league, and he's got length. That's Jonathan Isaac from Florida State. I see him anywhere from 6 to 10, maybe even 11 if some crazy stuff goes down. But he's an interesting prospect, kind of mixed results. Joe, how do you feel about him? Um, I really like Isaac a lot. And like you said, the length is just incredible. Um, and he's still going to grow because he's young. Now, the crazy thing is Orlando just hired John Hammond, who is the old GM of the Bucks, And he loves length in the draft. I mean, you talk about all the guys in Milwaukee's got Giannis, obviously. And he's, I mean, he's not Giannis, obviously, but you can see the length and the athleticism, I think that under the old regime, I think you would have seen a point guard here, maybe Dennis Smith Jr., because they obviously need a point guard. But with Hammond there now, I think Isaac, if he's there at six, I think he's going to be the pick. I think the two most magic picks possible in this draft would be Isaac or Dennis Smith. Yeah, I right. I think and it's either or. Yeah, I can't I see believe, any other player going there besides those two. And I believe both of them will be there when they pick. And the funny part is about really. Isaac, though, they have Aaron Gordon, who is like, the less lanky, more bouncy version of Jonathan Isaac with less, I don't like know, man's, less touch. He's a, he's a poor man's Blake Griffin. Yeah, yeah. you know, he's Griffin. he's a guy that if you play him at the three, you know, he doesn't have the shooting. No way, and you yeah. play him at the four, he's kind of small. He's not banging enough. I don't think – we saw when they tweeted out that stupid picture early in the year, you know. <laughs> yeah, that was One weird. of their offseason plans <laughs> was, you know, trade Aaron Gordon. And I think the new regime – I just I'm not an Aaron Gordon guy. He's great what he does in the dunk contest, but I just don't think he's anything that special. He's like a square piece in a round hole. Like you, where you, you can't get. He anywhere. just doesn't quite fit. Yeah. He just doesn't quite fit. That's interesting. So Jonathan Isaac, I kind of feel the same way. I think his upside comes from the fact that he looks like he can become a little bit of a stretch four. He has some touch. He has a little bit of a jump shot. Like it's not spectacular, like you said. These 19 year olds aren't that great at shooting. It's just how it is. So I think he has the upside to become a decent shooter, which will help him stretch out, and that man can become a defensive stud. He has the length to disrupt everybody who he goes against. So he's an interesting pick, but we talked about him. Let's talk about Smith, and then after that, we'll get a word from our sponsor, and then we'll get into the Knicks heavy. We'll got to talk about all the possibilities with the Knicks. But first, Phil, 
Dennis Smith Jr., super athlete, played on a bad team. What's your gut say about him? My gut say his game would instantly translate to NBA. So he kind of got like the rookie of the year kind of feel. Like he's going to be right away off the bat really, really good. Maybe I'll cut my like Carter Williams off the bat. Ugh, no, 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 <laughs> just like, get that feeling from like right away right. be really good I hear what you're saying we're going to talk about the Knicks soon like he's there for the Knicks you kind of, kind of, your gut says oh don't pass up on this guy just don't do it like, it, it from 5 to, from 6 to 10 11 wherever he falls it's like it's to be like that, uh, that my, chip my shoulder now the Knicks pass to me the Timberwolves pass to me the Magic pass to me you, you're going to bite him I just think he's a really really good player can he translate can he, can he do that secondary pass can he do the, the, the division for it who knows? But the scoring is here. If he, he's at forty inches in his vertical, like the athleticism is there. Who's gonna Who's gonna take him up on it? And what's upstairs is the question too yeah. with him. So I, I agree with you. Passing up an athlete like him, it would almost feel like. I know this is a stiff comparison now with what he just did this season. But when you look at Russell Westbrook in the draft, he wasn't a spectacular college player. Mm-hmm. He was good. He was an athlete. But you look at him and you say, "Holy hell, that guy can run, jump." move, he's got some touch. Like, how do you not pick that guy? And I think Dennis Smith, at the absolute worst, is a guy who can get, you know, 18 and 7 or 18 and 6 maybe. Maybe it's not a winning 18 and 6, but it's going to be an 18 and 6. And he has the ability to score, pass, drive, and defend with that athleticism. So I agree with you. How do you pass up on a guy like that, Joe? All right. Well, here's my thing with Smith. He is a strict pick-and-roll point guard. Now, the Knicks, and we've heard about them preaching the triangle throughout all their pre-draft workouts. That's why I don't think he's a good fit for the Knicks is because they don't run the pick and roll as much as other teams. Now, I think Smith is going to be excellent, like Phil said, and you mentioned this earlier about the rookie of the year definitely coming from Philadelphia. The one player, I think, if he ends up in the right spot that could also be rookie of the year candidate is Dennis Smith Jr. because he's just going to put up numbers because that's what he does. He's a volume scorer. Wow. I think he'll be a good, a better NBA player than he was in college. Now, he struggled a little bit in college. His teammates, that was just a bad situation in North Carolina State. But I think Smith, in the right spot, if you put him in a place like, in my mock, personally, I, ha- I have him going ninth to Dallas. Uh, I think that's a really good that spot for him. That would be spectacular. He's going to play him. right away. He's going to score a ton of points. Uh, have a really good coach in right. Right. Oh, well, the right supporting cast. Pick and roll with Dirk. I mean, uh, I just think that's a great spot for him. But I don't think it's with the Knicks personally because I don't think he fits the triangle and what they want to do. As a, The triangle is not for shoot first point guards. You know, that's just what it is. And and he also doesn't feel right for Minnesota at 7. No, definitely not. Especially, they still have Rubio in last year. I don't think they're ready to give up on Chris Dunn yet. I mean, he was a top 10 pick, so we I think they're going to let that play out. We I love did. them. Quick little tidbit before we get, get a word from our sponsor. Dennis Smith, just real quick, he could be anywhere from 6 to 10 in this draft, right? Doesn't it feel like in last year's draft he would have been, like, top 4? Oh, yeah, definitely. He would have been, been higher than Dunn, right? point guard in the draft, absolutely. Wow. It is crazy. I think a lot of these guys you look at, let's even, like, you could go down, and we're not going to get into him, like, deep yet, but if you look at Malik Monk, too, who we'll get into in just a minute, in last year's draft, that man is, that man's top five pick, and now he might end up falling to 11 or 12. That's what's what's going on with this, because we got other guys with their stocks rising and other guys falling. There's a lot of crazy stuff going on, but first, a word from our presenting sponsor. Don't forget that Wooter Apparel has the best and fully customized team uniforms and apparel, but it's not just uniforms. They have everything from T-shirts, uh, pants, customized backpacks, hats, the the whole nine. Anything you can imagine, fully customizable. 
And in fact, this might sound a little weird, but I'm wearing my Wooter Apparel jersey right now because your boy's got to go to a rec league game after we finish recording this podcast. And when I tell you that I gave them a design and they delivered exactly what I wanted, I gave them a mock-up and they delivered. Literal line for line, square for square, beautifully impressive. Go to sportsblognewyork.com, podcast tab, click on this article, and you'll see a link to their Instagram. But if you want to just look them up, they are at Wooter Apparel on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and on WooterApparel.com, where you can get a quote, as well as see some of their designs over the years. Best part is, don't forget, discount code SBNY for a special discount at your purchase. But now, without further ado, let's talk about the goddamn Knicks. The goddamn Knicks sit at eight. And there's a lot of players who they, get, they could end up taking. And just to name a few, Malik Monk, Frank Nilkinia, Dennis Smith, Donovan Mitchell is a name that the Knicks have been throwing around. And hell, you could even throw a name like Luke Kennard. It might be crazy, but the Knicks are crazy. We gotta remember that. The Knicks don't know what they're doing. Marketing could be there, Isaac could be there. It could be, a, it could be Isaac. Could be 16 would be there. Marketing, I don't think he fits at all with the Knicks, unfortunately, even though I love the guy. But he'll be there. He could be there. So there's all these little intricacies that are gonna happen with these picks. What's this uh, Joe, I don't want you to tell me what you, you think the Knicks are gonna do. I want you to tell me what you think the Knicks should do. I think the Knicks should go point guard. And if Frank McKinley is there. I think he has to be the pick. I think this is a team that, and we've gone through in the past, how many years of trial and turbulation they've had at the point guard position. Uh, I think he's going to end up being a very good player. His length is amazing. He's about 6'4", but his wingspan is about 7'7", seven foot, 7'1". Seven foot um, he's a good defensive guy. Now the jump shot, but like we've said with Fox and all these other prospects, the shot will come. Um, you know, as a defensive player and playing in the triangle, I think, you know, Phil Jackson's gone overseas before. Hernan Gomez, Porzingis, I think if he continues this trend, um, you know, New York City is a multiculturally diverse place in all of America. Yeah, for sure. Bring on the Frenchman, put him with Porzingis and Hernan Gomez, let him do his thing. So, you know what? I asked you what you think the Knicks should do. And what you said also, in my opinion, aligns with what I think is the most Knicks pick at the same time. So doesn't it just feel like the Knicks are going to pick the guy from Europe right again? Yes. They did it with KP, they did it with Hernan Gomez, Kuzminskis, you name it. It feels like they'll pick him again. But that makes Knicks fans nervous. Give them some reasoning why it shouldn't make them nervous. Why should you buy in right away when Frank Nikilnia's name gets called for the New York Knicks? Well, because first of all, I don't think there's anyone else on the board that's better than him. Uh, I'm not a big Monk guy. Mark Kanan doesn't make any sense. I don't think Isaac will be there. Dennis Smith Jr. already told you why he doesn't make sense for the triangle. Um, so I think he's the perfect fit there. Now, I would be cautious because Dallas loves him. Um, I follow Mike Fisher. He was a reporter for the Dallas Cowboys and Dallas Mavericks. Dallas is in absolute love with him. Um, his uh, coach in Belgium is actually going to coach their summer team. And they uh, apparently have already had conversations about Minnesota, about jumping in front of the Knicks to grab him at seven. So I think if I'm a Knicks fan, that's something I would definitely be scared of, is uh, Dallas making that jump for Nikinlia at seven. Wow. So if Dallas makes that jump to pick him off, basically, that could leave the Knicks in an interesting spot. But I feel like... If that happens, if that were to happen, that Dallas bumps up ahead of the Knicks and steals McKinley, 
it leaves the Knicks a hand that they are they were dealt a specific hand exactly. that they had to play, right? right, right. So <laughs> as in my pessimistic Knicks fan perspective, if that were to happen, it would make me relax because I would say, well, at least they couldn't have blown it on that guy. Right. So like it it becomes like a low risk uh, pick at that point because that means we probably end up with Monk or we if Smith happens to be there, maybe we take him, mm-hmm. and that's kind of low risk. So I don't know. I guess if the Mavericks were to actually move up and take him, it would ease me that like, a little bit. But I think there's some upside to Frank. Phil, let me hop over to you again. I think. What's your thought on the Knicks pick? First of all, I hate drafted players for a system in general, especially the triangle. You want to just, <laughs> like, like, it's an obvious statement. Yeah. If you draft the best player for, in general, you build a system around them. Duh, but talk about the New York Knicks here. Right. We don't do logic. I think the point guard is probably their pick. I think Malik Monk, something I said about Dennis Smith, that gut feeling, oh, he might be really good. You might regret picking, not picking him. Like, I, I'd rather than pick Monk, but then you're going to go with the French guy. Yeah? Yeah. And I'll tell you why I think Monk actually makes a lot of sense for the Knicks. And I didn't feel this way midseason. When I watched Fox grow throughout that Kentucky season, I was like, Fox over Monk, no matter what, I'd rather have him 10 times out of 10. Then I realized Fox ain't going to be there for eight, right? Mm-hmm. And I also realized that maybe Monk actually fits the system, right? So I know you yeah. said don't draft for the system. But after Malik Monk's workout with the Knicks, they asked him what he thought of the triangle and all that. Yeah. Uh, you have, if you have the quote up, you can read the direct one. Uh, I have the just A lot of movement. It's moving off the ball. I move off the ball great. I think it's a great fit for me. Exactly. So he basically alluded to the fact that his game at Kentucky was without the ball in his hand, moving off the ball, screens, running around the baseline, getting open shots, shots and slashing to the hoop. And that is what the triangle is supposed to create for its two-guard or combo guard. A better quote for you. It was crazy just seeing them there watching me because I've seen him with Kobe and Jordan and great players like that. I'm just thankful to be in that situation. And when I, you, I, I, I didn't with Phil Jackson before. Like, I feel like Phil could be in love with the French guy. Just, yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe the ego. I'm, I'm going to have another European player. I'm going to show everyone. Like, I'm doing it the rogue way. Right. But then maybe deep down, hey, I, this guy Monk, I can make him something. Maybe he got along with him. And I got I got a number for you. It's not a statistic. It's more of a measurable here. So Malik Monk, 6'3", right? Frank McKinley is 6'5". So you automatically think, oh, and he also has a crazy wingspan like Joe alluded to before. But then you look at the weight. Frank McKinley is 6'5", 170 pounds. That is not a typo. He's 170 pounds. Now, on one hand, you could say he's 19 years old. Give the guy a break. Let him eat some chicken. <laughs> but then you look at Malik Monk, who's 6'3", with a shorter wingspan, but is almost 200 pounds. So maybe the size doesn't feel as as important there. Does the 170 scare you at all, Joe, for Nick uh, No, it doesn't. No? No, not with his game. Um, DeAndre Fox weighs... 171 pounds. So if you're going to say about McKinley, you got to say the same thing about Fox. Fair um, point. Fair point. They they both have the skinny legs. Uh, Kevin Durant had the skinny legs. Kevin Durant still's got the skinny <laughs> legs. Curry's a little small. A lot, a lot of these players, um, you know, they're a little frail once they come into the league. But we, we saw with Anthony Davis, um, you know, once they get in, they get on the good strength program. They eat right. Uh, strength won't be an issue for these guys. It's more about their quickness and their agility. And obviously – uh, ability to jump out of the gym, but like you said about Monk, the one thing that does worry me is that size. Uh, being six three, his wingspan is not very big. I think his wingspan is only six four. Mm-hmm. Um, so what what is his ceiling really? You know, uh, to me, I think he's more of a, a microwave scorer off the bench, like a guy like a Lou Williams who can 
play that one and two position. Uh, I just, you know, I don't see him as a big time scorer in the NBA. Now he's going to have nights where he gets 30, yeah, but he's a classic, you know, sometimes you're the windshield, sometimes you're the bug type of player where he's also going to shoot uh, two for 12 on some nights, you know? So, right, you, you don't, you're not sure what you're going to get with him. I tend to agree with that. That is what makes me feel nervous about Monk as well. But I think about Kentucky, and this is the one thing that kind of saves him with me, other than the fact that fitting the, the, the dumb system at the Knicks round of the triangle that I don't like to bring up out loud because it makes Knicks fans crazy. Other than the fact that he fits that system, at Kentucky a lot of times, players don't get the opportunity to showcase all their skills. We saw it with Collins and Towns. Devin we Booker. saw it with Devin Booker. We saw it even with Trey Lyles, who has now become right. a deep threat, mm-hmm. uh, three-point threat in the NBA. Maybe because Calipari said, Fox, you are the point guard. You are running this offense. You're going to handle the ball. Monk, you are our microwave scorer. That's true. You're our assassin scorer. You move off the ball. That's how it works. So the one thing on the upside end of it, I see Monk say, say show glimpses of passing, glimpses of ball handling, and maybe that is something he can really you know get into in the NBA that he just didn't have the opportunity to do in Kentucky because there was too many good guys in it. Isaiah Briscoe, even though right. he's not an NBA player. That's a great point. He's a college point guard. And uh, maybe Monk will have the – Time to shine in the NBA and prove he can handle the ball. Great point. Would you think it would be really fun, like Monk going thirty in the Garden? I feel like a very like awesome player to have in your team. But like Joe said, it's a double-edged sword for him. Absolutely. And the Garden is a place where you know you can get too high too quick, and it gets low even quicker. Do you think it's a possibility that, uh, Minnesota picks him at seven? Monk. Yeah. Oof. Doesn't feel right. Feels like a clash with Zach Levine for me. Okay. I yeah. thought I forgot. I just think Zach Levine is way better. better. Team. Yeah, he got hurt. He got hurt. Yeah. Unfortunately, I thought Zach Levine was having a phenomenal year. Yeah. That's besides the point. This is Sports Blog New York Podcast. I'm Pete Kennedy here with Joe Staubach and Phil DeMeo. We've gone through easily 10 prospects already, and we're up about 45 minutes. So from this point on, we're probably going to be about 10 more minutes, maybe 15, depending on how this goes. I want to run through a bunch more prospects. The guys from 11 to 35, maybe a few here, a few there. Skip some guys, pick some guys out of the 40s. I want to talk about a bunch of these guys because in the NBA draft, this is how it goes. The top five guys get all the hype, maybe 7 and 12 and 16, get proven as good picks early on. But a lot of these other guys kind of fall through the cracks early and then prove they can play or they catch everybody off guard. And this draft, to me, is chock full of guys who are NBA players. And I think that goes further than most people imagine. People forget how important it is that basketball players – know how to play basketball. And it sounds like a pointless statement, but it sincerely means that these guys understand the game. They understand how to move the ball. They understand how to defend as a team. And these guys exist, and they're not always the one-and-dones, and they're not always the top ten picks. And I think there's a lot of them in this NBA draft. So let's start at like 11 and start going down. And I think a great guy to start with is Luke Kennard. So whoever wants to open, go ahead. Luke Kennard. What are your thoughts? And we'll do like a minute, two minutes on each guy. Um, so, Kennard, um, I think he's going to be a, a pretty good pro. Uh, obviously, a shooter. I think he's the best shooter in the draft. Uh, I think people definitely undervalue his size. Six foot six, handles the ball really well. Um, now, his quickness and who is he actually going to be able to guard in the NBA, that's obviously going to be a problem. Uh, but I think, you know, a guy, I don't think he's exactly like J.J. Redick, but a guy who you can definitely compare him to is Redick, obviously two Duke guys. Um, but, yeah, I think he's a, a nice player who can come off the bench and have a long career in the NBA. 
Here's my hot take of, of this draft podcast. I think Luke Kennard is as good as Jason Tatum. And on the right team, he can have as much of an impact to winning as Jason Tatum because he's a better passer, he's a better shooter, and I think he has close to about the finishing skill if he can get to the rim. And I, it feels crazy to say it out loud. Tatum's going to be a top-five pick, and he deserves it. Luke Kennard, like you said, 6'6", six, six, best shooter in the draft. Yeah. How, how would you scream if the Knicks took him? At eight? Yeah. I would actually would not scream. I would sit there in silence and just stare, <laughs> and stare at the wall. Maybe cry I would love to get him at like 15 if they traded back maybe, but you can't take him at eight, unfortunately, because he's a guy who you basically know will not be a superstar. Tatum, at least there's the glimpse of him being a superstar. I'm just projecting ahead saying I think they're both going to end up being about equal. Mm-hmm. I don't think he has the upside of an eight pick, unfortunately. Like that, if the Knicks did that, it means still Jackson surrounded by yes men. I'll tell you a guy who I think is possible at 8. And he sits on 12 on a lot of big boards. And that's Donovan Mitchell out of Louisville. He's a true combo guard who can play a little point. Is really athletic, really strong, projects as a really good defender with some offensive upside. Do you like combo guards? It's like, got to do one being really great. It's, it's been switching. NBA, it's been it's okay. switched. It went from combo guards are the worst. They have no place in the NBA. To every guard has to be a combo guard. Because you need people, to, more than one person, to handle the ball. Okay. I really like Donovan Mitchell. So do I. I think if he went at eight, I would say, all right, cool, I'm with it. I'm I, all in. Yeah, I could live with that. But I think he's going to be more of the 12 to 15 range. Joe, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm, I mean, like you said, if, if they took him at eight over someone like uh, Dennis Smith Jr., I, I wouldn't have a problem with it. I think he's kind of like an Avery Bradley type. A good defensive player, growing offensive skills. Uh, I wouldn't have a problem with Mitchell at all. I think he's going to be a really good player. In the right team, I think he can help out in year one and two a little bit on the right team. And I think three, four years, he's a starter in the league. He kind of reminds me of Shumpert a little bit. Like when they took Shumpert, a really good defensive guy, athletic, you know, has skills to grow offensively, good good length. Um, yeah, he kind of reminds me of that kind of tweener. You know, he can be that type of player. All right, let's keep moving. We gotta, we're getting into some big guys now. We have about three or four big guys in a row on most big boards here. Let's go with Kentucky guy Bam Adebayo. Kind of undersized, only 6'10", but is a true center because he's not a power forward. He's no four in this league. Where do you think he fits in this NBA? I love Bam. You love uh, Bam? I love Bam. Why um, do you love Bam? Because Bam is athletic, and Bam can defend, and Bam can run the floor, and I think that's what you have to do as a center now in the NBA. Um, he brings a ton of energy. He has a great body. Like, he's not exactly Dwight Howard-like body, but, you know, his shoulders, he's broad, he can jump, um, big-time dunks, you know, but the way he moves his feet, he did a really good job in the pick-and-roll Kentucky, uh, guarding on the switch, and I think he's going to be really a good uh, player in the NBA. As a a new prototype center, I think he's going to flourish. Is he full of support with Miami? Because those are two great people. The way you just described him right now, Miami kind of needs somebody next to Hassan. I know he does not fit next to Hassan Whiteside no, because he can't no. really step out and shoot. He's more of a true, true center. What about Portland? Yeah, he could fit in Portland. I think, mm-hmm. um, I think anywhere from thirteen to sixteen, uh, which would leave him with you know Portland or Chicago and Denver and Miami or thirteen, fourteen. I don't think he really fits in Miami, and you know he actually might be a, a good fit next to Nikola Jokic because Jokic, he's going to have such an offensive burden as a center that he might become a, a type of four. A power forward, mm-hmm. and if Bam Adebayo can prove to be a rim protector, he can sit there next to Nikola Jokic, mm-hmm. and you'll see Nikola Jokic throw some behind his head alley oops to Bam for some sick dunks. That'll so. be fun. 
All right, let's keep moving. We got Zach Collins from Gonzaga. Kind of a controversial guy. Some people think he has real upside in the NBA because he has touch. He can step out a little bit, and he's a true seven-footer. Me, not so high. Joe, how do you feel? Uh, I feel kind of the same way. I'm not thrilled about him. Now, you know, how much have I really seen of him? Not much, obviously, playing on the West Coast Gonzaga. He had a great NCAA tournament, played well in the championship game before he fouled out. But to me, I don't know if I'd take him in the top 15 range. I think, you know, there's centers with better upside like Ike Anagobo, Jared Allen. Uh, We talked about Bam. So I think those are more guys who I prefer over Zach Collins. Zach Collins is a guy to me that I see – not being effective in this league for at least three or four years. A lot of these guys that we're talking about, Bam Metabio, as a rookie, can at least do some positive things. I don't see Zach Collins making an impact for four or five years, which is okay. It's a long, it's a long time. It's okay. Yeah, right. Like that, that is a long time. And unfortunately, with guys like that, sometimes their chance actually never really comes. So he needs to prove that he can help a team right now to stay in this league, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Um, but I think he has some upside. So you, you know, he'll be in the first round. I think he's more of a 20th pick. He might end up being as high as 14 or 15. Joe, what do you think about your boy Justin Jackson? Uh, I think he made good strides this year, obviously shooting the basketball. Uh, He really turned around this game from the three-point line. Uh, He's very frail. He's not really athletic. He's more under-the-rim player. And as a wing player nowadays, to be a guy who's not going to play above the rim, it's a little more difficult in this league, but... You know, if, if guys like uh, Andre Roberson and uh, Jeremy Grant are getting minutes, like for a team like Oklahoma City, if Justin Jackson fell to Oklahoma Ooh. City and, you know, he's a g- really good shooter and improved his game, I think he'd be a great fit, you know, playing with a guy like Russell Westbrook. My favorite thing about Justin Jackson is that he works on defense and he works off the ball. He right. does not need the ball to get shots. He will continuously move off the ball, and that comes from his maturity. He's played three years in college in UNC, just won a national championship. He's one of the most NBA-ready prospects in this draft. Personally, I think he would deserve a pick as high as 12 or 13, and I would love to see him on the Denver Nuggets. Another shooter next to Jamal Murray, another person for Nikola Jokic to kick out on out of the post. I would love to see him go 13. I think he falls to about 16, 17 range. Portland, Chicago, Milwaukee-ish. We're in New York. Uh, podcast. There's none of the New York team who plays basketball here. They're, they're the Brooklyn Nets. That is correct. And they have two picks. Joe, you're a Brooklyn Nets fan. Where are they going? They're gonna maybe bundle up, move up a little bit. They're gonna try to get two prospects, um, like high prospects. They could get. What do you think they're doing there? Okay, with the Nets, I actually think they're gonna end up with three picks in this draft. Love I think they will take twenty from Portland and take on a contract of either Myers Leonard or Alan Crabb and get that twentieth pick. I think. If they do get three picks in the first round, they will draft and stash at least two of those players. I think a guy like Isaiah Hartenstein and also uh, from Latvia, Anzesh Pajanik. However they say his name from Latvia. Um, I think they're going to draft and stash at least two guys. Uh, I think they're obviously going to go young. If Harry Giles fell there, he's obviously going to be their pick because of just of the upside. Listen, let's let's put it all on the table. The Nets have to hit home runs with these picks because, you know, how badly they messed up. Absolutely. Um, but young guys, another guy, DJ Wilson from Michigan, they could use a stretch four. I think Versatile. He's another, another guy they can definitely use. Uh, if OG Ananubi from Indiana who was injured, I don't think he'll fall that low. But if he did... I think that's another player they can take. So I think you're going to see them, you know, swing for the fences and really try to hit home runs because that's basically all they can do. They're not going to take a guy like, uh, uh, I don't even know, John Collins. Well, uh, yeah, I, I, I got some thoughts here for the Nets. I actually love where the Nets are sitting at in this pick because with, with these picks, I should say, 
because this is where the draft gets super interesting, and this one specifically. When I look at this draft here, I see a bunch of NBA players, and you don't always see that from 16 to 25. And if, you, if you're right, Joe, and they get 20, and they can pick an OG Anunboy, he is a real defender in this league with some offensive upside. He will never score more than 16 points in this right. NBA, and that's probably reaching a little bit. But at 12, 13 points with a true wing defender, that's a good pick, Definitely. especially at 20. And then I look at a guy, one of my favorite guys in this draft, didn't play in college because he went over to Australia. Absolutely. Terrence Ferguson. A man is 6'7". He's a, more of a 2, but because he's 6'7", maybe if he grows a little bit, can play some 3. This guy is bouncy as a shooter. I don't know if that makes sense to you, but in my head it makes sense. You see him pull threes. He'll shoot from anywhere. He reminds me of a Clay Thompson type. Yeah. Obviously, when you say Clay Thompson, he's an elite, one of the best shooters of all time. When I watch the tape on Terrence Ferguson in Australia, his shot really excites me. He can look good next to Carrie Levert and Isaiah Whitehead in Brooklyn. He was a top five prospect out of high school in this loaded draft class. You look at all these guys, these top ten guys, almost all of them are freshmen. He was in the top five of that class. He didn't end up going to Arizona, but that's where he would have went. He went overseas. Uh, I think a lot of people are forgetting about him. He didn't play as much overseas because of the league he was playing in and the veterans on his team, but... This is a guy that's flying under the radar, and I think if Brooklyn happened to grab him, I think that would be a real big win for Sean Marks and company. Absolutely. The ringer actually has him fall into Oklahoma City at 21, and him on Oklahoma City would look Ooh, great would next be, to Russell Westbrook. He needs the shooters, Russ. I have a thought, though, on Harry Giles real quick. Like you said, Terrence Ferguson was a top-five prospect. Harry Giles was arguably the right. top prospect in this NBA draft before he got hurt. He's a guy who I think a crazy team that might be just so crazy oh. that it could work. Can take, him, can take him as high as 12, 13, 14. Right. I wouldn't be surprised if Sac- Sacramento's done crazier things than taking him at 10. They can take him at 10. second pick. Absolutely. And he might fall to 25 at the same time. Harry Giles is bizarre in this draft. I don't know how to feel about him. Before he got hurt and I watched his high school tape, you go, oh, my God, this guy's the next best thing. Right. He is really interesting. Keep your eye on Harry Giles before we go. We're going to wrap it up. Who do the Knicks pick and who, should, who do you want them to pick? I'm going to bring that question and say I want the Knicks to grab another first-round pick in this draft. You said Portland pick. Portland has three first-round picks in this draft. Granted, they can use some of those because they have all these guys with big contracts, but they might use one or two of these picks to get rid of those big contracts. Definitely. Give the Knicks Mo Harkless and give us 20 or 25. I'll take either of those picks because when I look at – you mentioned DJ Wilson. We mentioned Harry Giles. We mentioned Terrence Ferguson, a guy I love, Jawoon Evans from Oklahoma State. They're going to be there in the 20s, and I think the Knicks can get a nice pick in the 20s if they package, uh, they take on that contract from, from uh, Portland. But with number eight, my gut has said this for a long time. I'm going to stick with it. I think they go Frank Nikinlia. Joe? Um, I want them to go Nikinlia. I think, personally, I think Dallas does switch up to seven and grab him. I think the Knicks end up with Malik Monk. You think Monk? Yes. Interesting. Why about you, Phil? I don't see that happening. I, I want them to get Monk. But I see him seeing the killing, yeah. We're all in the same like, area, but we, just, we see different things happening. Absolutely. I think those two are probably the most likely, but we're going to have to wait and see on Thursday. But wait, before we go, Joe, Phil, whoever you want to pop out first, give me some of the guys who our listeners probably have never heard of in the second round that you think are interesting players. A very interesting player to me is a player who was injured this season, who got injured halfway through the season. That's point guard Edmund Sumner from Xavier. Uh, he's a true point guard. Uh, he's got pretty good athleticism. Uh, he had a nasty injury that ended his season. But I think as a second rounder, and if the Knicks can grab him in the second round, let's say they don't get Nick Inley and they 
uh, do draft Monk. I think he's a, a nice point guard to grab in the second round. I think he's going to be serviceable. Do I think he's going to be a superstar? No. But do I think he could transform to a starting point guard? Yeah. He's six foot six. Uh, he's got um, really passes the ball well. You know, he's not. He's a little better than Monte Morris from Iowa State, another mm-hmm. second-round point guard I like. Um, but you obviously have to see how he recovers from the knee injury, but I do like Sumner a lot. I have a guy, I'm going to say he's not that similar to Sumner, but he plays a simple position, and that's Tyler Dorsey. I think about a man who may be winning Rookie of the Year coming next week when they announce it on Ju- uh, J- July, it's July, right, 26th. Mm-hmm. And that was Malcolm Brogdon. And Malcolm Brogdon in this year's draft, in right. my opinion, is Tyler Dorsey from Oregon. He's a guy who's a little bit small, well, not in height, but in in girth, if you will. He's six foot five, but he's not a very heavy guy. He was a knockdown shooter in the tournament, very in control. And when I watched Malcolm Brogdon play with the Bucks, he was calm, poised, and easy to play with with all those guys. I see Tyler Dorsey as a very similar type of prospect. I have two plays real quick. It always amazes me how guys do so well in college and like lead teams and just do shit in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Josh Hart from Villanova. And Frank Mason and Dylan Brooks from or uh, Dylan oh, Brooks. Nice, Dylan Brooks. I feel like those. I've known them. I, I, I'm the most casual college basketball fan you'll meet. Right. I know who Dylan Brooks is. I feel like he, he, why isn't he getting that I'll, much? I'll, I'll I'll sum it up for you with one line here. Josh Hart, according to the Ringers NBA Draft Guide, which I love, compared him to old Vince Carter, a 21 year old <laughs> or 22 year old got compared to 40 year old Vince Carter. Okay. And now I think Vince Carter is great as a 40 yeah. year old. You don't want a 22-year-old compared to old Vince Carter. And I think that's where his lack of upside comes from. He, can, he can play in the league for a little bit. He's not, he's not going to be Dylan special. Dylan I know you don't know a little about him. Um, I don't just see him being anything in the NBA. His body, I don't think, translates. He doesn't have the foot speed. He doesn't have the position. I just don't think there's going to be a place for him. You know NBA. how we said Jason Tatum was a poor man's mellow? Mm-hmm. Dylan, Dylan Brooks, Brooks is a poor man's, man's Jason, Jason Tatum. Tatum. <laughs> and, Jay- and Jason Tatum is 20 years old. Okay. So that's kind of... The gist of it. You guys know more than me. Woo! I love this stuff, man. Thank I you. am so excited for Thursday. I we will be we'll post. We'll, we'll, post we'll be tweeting. Week. We'll be yeah. we'll be posting uh, another podcast after the draft, uh, whether we do it late night Thursday or on Friday or the next week. Wherever, what we're gonna do it. So keep in touch it's with us. Digest the weekend and then go. Give, it could be crazy after the draft. Absolutely. So follow us on Twitter at SportballGameYC. Maybe if we're feeling frisky, we'll go on live. We'll do a little Periscope actually Maybe. during the draft if we're we're all hanging out. But hopefully you guys enjoyed today's episode. I'm Pete Kennedy. Joe Staubach. Bill DeMaio. Don't forget about our presenting sponsor at Wooter Apparel on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review to this podcast, especially those ratings and reviews. They go a long way. We love doing this show, and we hope you guys enjoy listening to it. Keep showing up. Tell your friends. And enjoy this NBA draft.